My name is Pastor Chris, and we're glad that you're here. Welcome, especially if you're a guest of ours this morning. Can we give it up again for those that are joining us, those who are watching online or in any other place? We're glad to have you with us and, and watching. And I hope that you enjoy that, that gift. It's just something small. It's a token of our love and appreciation for you and just thanking you for being with us. And I do hope that you'll just take a moment before this service is over, grab that card that's in the bag. In fact, that card, the same card that's in the bag there, is in every pew back in front of you. So maybe you started coming last week, and Easter Sunday was your first week here, and you're back. Um, or you've been coming for some period of time, but you've never connected with us. I want you to know we're not like maybe every other church. We don't see that it's just about coming and filling a pew here at Evangel. We believe God's called us to more. Say more with me. He hasn't called us to fill a pew, but to fulfill a purpose. And I want nothing more than for you to discover the reason why God's placed you on this earth and run after the purpose he has for you. Amen? And we believe that we can achieve that purpose and understand it more when we're connected. So we want to connect with you. Please take a moment. If uh, you're newer here, maybe you've come for a little while and you've never gotten connected with us, you've never filled out this card yet, take it out of the pew, fill it out, drop it off at the cafe after service or give it to one of the ushers. We would love to connect with you, especially if you want to get involved involved in growth track or get baptized, uh, this connect card is a great way for us to pray with you, connect with you, and for you to get signed up for whatever you need. So please uh, don't leave here today without getting connected if you're not yet connected. Amen? That was a little bit weak. Amen? Amen. All right. We'll get there. So last Sunday was amazing. Last Sunday was awesome. But can I tell you I'm happy, though, that this is, uh, this is this our only our second service. We're not having any more services today. One more? Want to do one more? We'll see. No, we'll see one day. Um, but but I'm, I'm glad. I'm just glad to see what the Lord did in the hearts and lives of many people. We saw people in every service give their hearts to Jesus, make decisions to go from death to life. And, uh, man, we just are praising God for that and helping you to get connected. I'm looking forward. If you said yes to Jesus on Easter Sunday, if you turned your heart towards him, come back next Sunday and get baptized. Make that decision public. Share that with others. And uh, I'll look forward to meeting some of you after service today to talk about baptism. In, uh, last Sunday, we started a brand new series that's just going to go three weeks. It's called The Genius of Jesus. And as we were singing uh, about it this morning, I, I woke up with some of the same thoughts we had been worshiping and praying about uh, this morning in the midst of our service. One of them is around the idea that our God is the God. When you really think about it, he formed the universe with his very words. He brought everything that we see into being by the power of his, just his word. And that his mind, his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. That's so humbling to me. That's so sobering for me to really realize the, the mind of God. I could never understand it in a million years. And don't we sometimes think we have God all figured out? We think we have him figured out. We, we know exactly how he's thinking. And I promise you uh, that we don't. I promise you that God's ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I want to bring you to a passage of scripture today that we're going to look at, because this is part of what we're going to call the genius of Jesus. Here's what I want you to know, that the wisdom of God, that the brilliance that formed the galaxies, the greatest astrophysicists in the world, the brightest minds that have ever lived are still trying to put it all together, but God's known it from the very beginning. The very power that, that brought the universe into existence, the word of God, became flesh in the person of Jesus, and bound up in Jesus is the wisdom of God on display 
And when Jesus lived, as he taught, as he walked this earth, as he died, and as he rose again, we saw the genius of who he is, the wisdom of God. And as we learn from that, I just believe there are a few things that if we apply them to our lives, they can change our lives forever. My prayer for today's message is that it will set someone free. That many people are going to walk in a freedom maybe you haven't felt before because of what God wants to teach us in his word through the life and ministry of Jesus. Turn with me to John's gospel, chapter 1. John chapter 1, it's found in the New Testament. The apostle John is... Uh, as he refers to himself in, the, in, in his gospel, he's the di- one whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's one of the very closest disciples to follow after Jesus. And it's there that we see um, this description about who Jesus is in the first chapter. And I want you to just think about what I just said to you about the very one who shaped the world. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The way John's gospel begins is in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That word, the word of God, his name is Jesus. And in John chapter 1 verse 14, this is what it says. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Have you ever thought about that? That the God who shaped everything, he stepped down from heaven when Jesus was born. He came and he lived among us. He humbled himself. It says we've seen his glory. When Jesus was on display, we saw the glory of God, the glory of the one, God's one and only son who came from the father. Catch this. You ready? Say it with me. Full of grace and truth. I want you to say it one more time. He came from the Father full of grace and truth. It's there. It's right there. Those final words, full of grace and truth. It's in that we find the genius of Jesus. I promise you that this word has the power, I believe, to set someone free. That the word that created everything, when he came from the Father, he came to give us exactly what we needed. Salvation, restoration, healing, hope for the future, forgiveness of our sins. And the Bible says when he came down from heaven, what he brought with him was a fullness of grace and a fullness of truth that invaded our world and changed us forever. And I believe this, that we can see and experience the fullness of God's love when we experience the fullness of his grace and truth in our lives. That when that happens, we can, what the Bible would say is, abide in his love. We can remain in him. Church family, I really believe that we see the fullness of Jesus' genius on display when we understand how he truly came from the Father, full of grace and truth. My prayer is today that you and I, would experience and learn how to express the fullness of the grace and truth of God in the way that we live our lives. And so there are areas that God wants to change and work in, in us, so that we could fully embody this. Because I really believe that when it comes to these two words, it's almost like a spectrum of grace and truth. And can I tell you that oftentimes we're going to lean in one of those directions or the other. Some of us We're going to lean towards grace, and we're going to feel really good about that. You know, grace, this definition that I've come across for grace is grace is defined as unmerited and undeserving favor from God to those who are under condemnation. Grace is this unmerited and undeserved favor from God for those who are under condemnation. The Bible says that we're saved by it. It's grace. 
But the Bible says when Jesus came, he came from the Father full of grace and full of truth. He walked in the fullness of it. And I want you to know that dangerous things can happen whenever we lean too heavily on one side of this or the other. Have you ever experienced what I'm talking about before? If we look to embrace and live in truth, truth without grace can ultimately breed self-righteousness, legalism, hypocrisy. Come on, somebody. But grace without truth breeds deception, moral compromise, an erosion of our self-worth and of who we are. I promise you the best expression of love, of God's love, is found in the tension between grace and truth. I wish, I wish I could say that, man, I got this figured out, and I'm going to tell you how. Here's what I know. I know I've missed it. Have you? There have been times in my life that I've, I've leaned into the truth, but I haven't had the grace that God's wanted me to have. There have been times that I've leaned into the grace because I'm afraid to confront the truth because I'm afraid it might offend someone. And so we call it grace and we think it's fine. But I promise you, Jesus is the perfect, perfect embodiment of this. And the desire is today that God would teach us something by a revelation in the power of his Holy Spirit that will allow this truth, this grace, to flood our lives and circumstances and flow through us. That his truth, that his grace would meet us right where we are. I want you to know that there can be extremes. And whenever we lean on the extreme of grace, it's, it's almost like we begin to believe that God is just, he forgives us wherever we are. It's okay. I can live however I want to. And when we look in the New Testament, in the Bible, people have been wrestling with this idea of truth and grace for a long time. In fact, when the Apostle Paul had to write letters to the early church, many of the letters are confronting issues of truth and grace. They're leaning too far one way or the other. In fact, it says in Romans chapter 6, he says it plainly and bluntly. He says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Is that the goal here? He says, certainly not. Since we have died to sin, how can we keep living in sin? You know, because some people would say, you know what, it's okay. I can live however I want to. Jesus saved me by his grace. I'm saved by grace. Does anyone know that that's the truth today, that we are saved by his grace? How many of us also know we could use that as an excuse to continue to live however we want to? I can get drunk on Friday night because I'm saved by grace. I can sleep with whoever I want to because I'm saved by grace. I can blow up my family. I can cheat the person out of their money. I'm saved by grace. I got to get out of hell free card, pastor. I can live how I want. I'm saved by grace. Why are you going to judge me? I'm saved by grace. That's not how it works, my friend. But what happens is when we lean so heavily on grace, it's like, here it is. And whenever it goes to the extreme, a lot of Christians believe, you know what? It doesn't matter what this Bible says. It doesn't matter what this word says. I've picked and chosen the parts of it that conform with my life. I've, I, I, I've chosen the parts that, that underscore who I am right now. I want you to know when we approach God's word in who he is, the goal is not to try to get God to conform to our image. I want you to know the Bible doesn't talk about that. The Bible says instead that we would be shaped and molded. I want you to know something. Whenever we come to the truth of who God is, there are times it's going to make us uncomfortable. 
I, I love that. I think Pastor Marshall said a few weeks ago that we've had Christians have heard things say, well, I don't, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. So I'm not sure that we've ever, we're supposed to be comfortable when it comes to the truth and who God is. There are going to be times, I promise you, that as you come to this word that's living and active, that you're going to read something and you're going to feel a prick in your heart. And you're going to say, I'm not sure that makes me comfortable, God to give like that. I'm not sure it's going to make me comfortable to forgive like that. I'm not sure it's going to be comfortable for me to sacrifice like that, God. And you're going to have to choose one thing or another. Either you're going to try to make this word conform to your life or you're going to conform to what you see, the truth that's in front of you. You either disregard it or you receive it. Are you with me? There are going to be times that you're going to see the grace of God, an opportunity that I'm not sure I'm supposed to extend grace to. That doesn't make me comfortable but Jesus, I want to love them the way that you love them. And there are going to be times that following Jesus is going to cause you to have to lean into a grace that you don't have in and of yourself. I was looking, and I was so moved. We prayed. Oh, we had a powerful prayer meeting last Wednesday night. Was anyone here? Man, the Lord met us in a powerful way. We prayed for Sri Lanka. We prayed. We prayed a lot of powerful prayer for what happened. You know, last Sunday while we were worshiping, there were bombs that were detonating in churches and in places gathering on Easter Sunday that killed nearly 350 people. Many of them, they were killed because of the fact that they had chosen to be followers of Jesus and wanted to worship him on Easter Sunday. And I don't know if anyone saw it, but the pastor of one of those churches said, publicly proclaimed, he said, I can feel the presence of God as I'm about to say it to you. He said, we're hurt, we're angry, we're frustrated. But he said, I want you to hear every one of you that could hear me that had anything to do with these bombings. We forgive you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't hold this against you. We forgive you because we love Jesus and want to forgive you the way he did. I can't even handle that. It's a grace I can't even fully comprehend. Are you with me, church? There will be times, and you're going to have to figure out when that happens, Lord, do I really love you? And do I really want my life to reflect you? Because there will be times that it isn't comfortable. Are you still with me? And so when we look at this, we lean into the grace too much. We can just start to give personal excuse for whatever, whatever we'd like. Jesus came, though he is full of grace and truth. But we often tend to choose grace or truth, not grace and truth. Let's go to the other extreme. We get to the extreme of truth. And a lot of people see, you know, this is what God said. This is what Jesus said. And we just focus in on that. We want to understand the rules. We want to understand the lines. And we want to apply it and enforce it as much as we can. We can find ourselves beginning to condemn others based on the truth we find in the Bible. We can begin to tear others down. We can actually do all this stuff, and we will take it. And I've seen it where we can get so hyper-religious, so hyper-fixated on this truth that we literally become argumentative. We can start to pick fights. We go, well, this is what it says, and this is what it says. And, and we become so rigid that the very Pharisees that were enemies of Jesus are who we become. We become, we embrace this thing, and it becomes a legalism. And we're just living, man. It's just about that. And in Presbyterian, it's just very cut and dry. It's just, this is just how it is. And we can find ourselves with such a lack of grace because we're just like, it's all about the truth. This is what Jesus said. And I want you to know that it's not, if we lean too much, too far on that, we can get ourselves into a very dangerous place as well. We can find ourselves lacking the very grace that met us. 
we can find ourselves unable to forgive people who have hurt us. Are you with me? I want you to know that if the grace of God that flowed to you doesn't flow through you, it will turn sour inside of you. It will spoil within you. I want you to know if the forgiveness of God that flowed into your life can't flow to others, something within you will turn sour and sideways because you're broken. It can't happen that way. We were saved by grace. That grace that flowed to us must flow through us. It says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For it is by grace we have been saved through faith. It's not from ourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works so that no man can boast. You know what happens if we lean too far and too heavy into the truth side of things? We start to try to really build a faith that's built on all of our good works. And it becomes that as long as I'm doing enough of the right things, then I've earned favor in God's eyes. So our favor is a merited favor where grace is an unmerited favor. It's a favor that comes not because of how good I am, but because of how good he is. Sometimes we get too fixated on the truth. We start to think we're better of ourselves than we really are. The Bible says examine yourself lest you fall. Because there's a pride that can fill us if we lean too heavy on that side. And so we, it's not about living in one of the extremes or the other, but it's about finding that tension and that balance to say, Jesus, you want to know what my prayer is, church? My prayer is, Jesus, I want to be full of the grace and truth that you have. I want people that walk into this place to experience the fullness of your grace, that they can come from wherever they come from. They can be as broken as they would be. They can feel like they had been judged or whatever out there, but when they walk in your presence or they find the fullness of your love on display. But Lord, I want anyone that walks in, that Lord, their life hasn't yet been set free by the truth that you can bring. May the truth not be buried in this house, Lord God. May your truth stand up and may that truth confront us right where we are in our brokenness. And I just truly believe that where there's an abundance of his grace, an abundance of his truth, it's there that the power of the Holy Spirit brings about breakthrough. It's there that we'll see restoration. It's there we'll see deliverance, that we'll see healing, that we'll see chains of addiction broken. Come on, someone. It's in that place that we'll begin to see sin forgiven and captives set free. It's where there's grace and truth just abounding, the fullness of it. And so we come to this passage of Scripture that I want to share with you today. I'm going to encourage you to flip with me for just a few moments into John's Gospel, John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, I really believe we see the genius of Jesus on display of what this looks like to be full of grace and truth. I want to set the scene for you just a little bit as we get here in John chapter 8. The Bible says that at dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts. So he's right in the temple courts. He's in, he's in the place of worship. He's in a place where people are coming and going. It's a very visible area. And there were a lot of people gathered around him, and he was teaching them. Now, I want you to just imagine this with me. Jesus is teaching people. He's teaching people about what? About who God is, about what the kingdom of God looks like, about the character and heart of, of God. And in the middle of this teaching, everything's interrupted by the teachers of the law. The teachers of the law are like the scholars. They understand the law in and out. Um, they know it. They know it frontwards, backwards, sideways. And, uh, and then you have the Pharisees, which are this very conservative sect within Judaism of their religious leaders. So they come in, and they bring with them a woman caught in adultery. 
then they made her stand before the group. So they literally bring her in. They interrupt Jesus. They bring this woman right in front of Jesus. Now, some scholars, some teachers would look at this and say, because of how they, how they found her, you don't even understand. We don't, we don't have the full context, how she was dressed or not dressed, what was going on inside of this. But literally, as they talk about it, they caught her in the act of adultery. And from that place, they bring her directly to Jesus. Could you imagine how much shame? Could you imagine the weight of the, of the looks and the stares and the gasps? And they come, This woman was caught in the act of adultery, and they bring her right there, right in front of Jesus. And they said, teacher, and look, they turned to Jesus. And all this is a trap. All of this is this gotcha moment for Jesus. They said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. So what, what probably happened is they literally followed her, heard something about what was going on, followed her, literally was able to see when this was transpiring, and ran in, snatched her up, arrested her, and brought her to Jesus. So there's no, we think this happened, we heard, there's a, a rumor. No, no, we, we caught her dead to rights. They bring her before Jesus. The law of Moses commands that we stone such a woman. What do you say, Jesus? You ready for this? The Bible says they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus. In this moment, they have him. The same tension we've been talking about this morning, the tension of truth and grace. They're saying, all right, we see Jesus. He's eating with sinners and tax collectors, and, and he's, he's embracing the people on the fringes that are, that are kind of untouchables and, and beneath us. We see him excusing things in our eyes that God would never excuse, welcoming people God would never really want anything to do with. But he also is trying to teach with some kind of authority as if he knows the truth, as if he really understands what God wants. So he said, we got him. Because he's going to have to land on one of these places. So here's the question they ask him. The law of Moses, so it's very clear. Let's go to Leviticus 16, Jesus. It says that we're supposed to stone such a woman. What do you say? So here, ready for this? If Jesus says, yes, you're right, and they stone the woman, then yes, Jesus goes on and doing his ministry, but he'll always now carry this reputation. Yeah, he healed the sick. Yeah, he did. But remember when he killed that woman in the temple courts? Remember when he stood there and he gave the order to just slaughter her in front of everyone? There's going to be this weight of just, wow. He's, he's talking about this love and forgiveness from God, but like, he killed this woman. Go on the other side. Yes, he's great. Yes, he's this. But he's a heretic because he disregards the law of God. And he, he speaks with authority, literally bypasses the things that God cares about and sees dear. So I said, we got him. Dead to rights. What do you want to do here, Jesus? You know what the Bible says? But Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. We don't know what Jesus was writing, but there are a few things we don't want to miss out as we look at this. One of them is what Jesus was not saying. Do you know sometimes our silence speaks louder than the words that we'll share? That he was unwilling to engage them in their trap, unwilling to engage them in their question. He was unwilling to go to that level because he was ready to do something bigger and more than they could imagine. In this moment, he begins to stoop down, but here's what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, come on, guys, give her a break. Come on, we know this is a trap. Come on, this isn't that, that big of a deal. Come on, there are all kinds of people doing this crazy stuff. This, it's no, no big issue. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say... You guys are right. Let's do it. Take the stones. You're right. You got me. You got her. Let's, let, let's go for it. He doesn't say either of those things. 
He doesn't lean into one of these or the other. Jesus didn't go to the extreme of truth or the extreme of grace. He, he just knelt down there and he began to write in the, in the ground. And as he's writing, they begin to pressure him, the Bible says. They said, come on, Jesus, give us an answer, give us an answer. And he's writing and he, he looks up. And he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin, he could be the first one to throw a stone at her. I mean, Jesus stands up and he literally says, okay, sure, but how about the one that has no sin? You could be the one to cast the first stone at her. Go for it. And the Bible says, and he knelt down and he kept writing in the ground. Now, some people are saying, what is he writing? Is he writing out their sins? Is he writing, uh, you know, something else going on? Is he writing out that passage of Scripture? We really don't know what he's writing. Here's what I really believe in that moment, is that he's writing a brand new story for this lady. She has no idea what's about to happen. She doesn't know if her life is about to end. If she, but he's doing something, and, and, and it's confounding the wise, because the wisest religious leaders of the day, they, they thought they had him. And one of our deacons I was uh, talking to between services he said, you know what becomes amazing is that as Jesus said that one thing to them, they thought they had it. It was all about the truth. We caught her. The rule has been broken, and we now can do this. When one of our deacons said it, he said, the stone in their hand became as heavy as the sin in their hearts until they couldn't hold it anymore. And the Bible says that one by one, they began to drop the stones. They began to let them down, and the oldest ones began walking away. You know, there's a few things going on that we don't fully get here. Jesus didn't even debate it with them. But here's one of the big questions we have to ask ourselves. If you really want to go to the law and follow the letter of the law, the Bible says that if a woman's caught in the act of adultery there in Leviticus 16, the woman and the man she was caught with both must be brought before, both must be put to death. Where's the man? Do you know what happens sometimes when we get so caught up in the truth and we, we become so blinded? We just take the parts of it that are serving our agenda. And we then want to use that. They weren't as interested in, 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 in honoring God as they were in trapping Jesus. They, they wanted to actually try to bring harm to this. They didn't care about this woman at all. She was just a pawn in this giant game to try to get at the heart of Jesus. And so in the midst of that, Jesus doesn't even confront the fullness of what needed to happen there. And you start to see that they were only even holding on a half-truth that supported themselves. But people began to walk away one by one. And then Jesus, and this, this, this grabs me, because here's, here's the truth of this moment. Jesus said, the one who is without sin can cast the first stone. And at the end of this moment, every other accuser walks away, but you know who hasn't walked away? The very one who is without sin. The very one who does have the authority, the right, to cast the first stone in this instance. And he stands there, and here's the thing that catches me, that if she knew what we know today, she knew of Jesus' reputation, she could have known of anything, she would probably not been taken from a great uh, distance from, this, from the temple area, so we would know that Jesus' fame and reputation is spread in that area. She could have imagined who she's standing face to face with, and there she is alone with Jesus. And if she could just know what we know today, the righteous judge, the Alpha and the Omega, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, 
that she stands in his presence. I want to tell you that sometimes we can become terrified by all the accusers around us. We can be terrified for the people that are holding stones, ready to try to take you out. But let me tell you this. When all of them are gone, the person that you ultimately stand before is a holy, righteous God. And I'm telling you, that scares me more than all the people in the world that would say anything they want to say is that one day we're going to stand before Jesus. And all those other things. I mean, it's sobering to imagine that. And in that moment, do you realize, I don't think we think about it, Jesus could have done it. He could have taken her life. He could have said, this sin will end in death. What you've done, you've broken God's law, you've broken his heart, and this must end now. And Jesus straightens up. And he looks at her. And he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She says, no one, sir. And Jesus declared, neither do I condemn you. He says, go now and leave your life of sin. Do you want to know what we're seeing right here? Some of you say, oh, okay, good, grace won. Fullness of grace, fullness of truth. It's a grace that gives us not what we deserve, but what we need, but a truth that will not allow us to remain in that place of brokenness. He says, no, I don't condemn you, but I'm telling you, you can't live here. Go and sin no more. Some of us want to lean on one part of that or the other, but I promise you it's in the fullness of that, that her life would never be the same, that her life would be transformed forever, that she would literally become a different person because Jesus was offering her a way out, a way into a fullness of life, a forgiveness that she could not even fully comprehend, a forgiveness that would ultimately be purchased for you and me on the cross when Jesus hung there so that we could receive his amazing grace. Come on up, Pastor Rick. Jesus looks her right in the face. And here's what I tell you today, that one day when we get to the end of our lives, there would be a lot of people that said a lot of things. But you're going to stand, and I'm going to stand before a holy God who sees everything, who has record of everything, who understands everything. And it's in that place that we're going to have to know that we know that we know whether we stand condemned or we stand free. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 24, all have sinned. We've all done it. We've fallen short of God's glory. We've fallen short of his standard. But if we're in Christ, we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It only comes on the other side of a relationship, a living relationship with Jesus, that we can experience the grace that we just saw and witnessed in the life of this woman. It's a grace that sees you at your worst and sets you free. But what does that freedom purchase you? The ability to walk in his truth. The Bible talks about it over and over and over again. It says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, it says, if we claim to have fellowship with him, but we continue to walk in darkness and in sin, then we don't have the truth living within us. We've just deceived ourselves. For some of us today, We've been walking through this Christian life and we put on the good outfit and we, we go through the motions, but there are some things in our lives that don't line up with what God desires for us. It's sin, flat out, it's sin. And what we've done is we've tried to take this idea of grace and say, it's okay, my friend, it's not okay. 
It's not okay for any of us. And it's in these moments that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us and prick these areas in your life and say, I'm doing something. I've called you to a greater life than the one you're living. You know, the scariest thing is whenever I have friends or loved ones or people that I care about that get diagnosed with cancer, especially those that feel like everything is okay. And they had no idea that there was something growing within them that is about to kill them. Are you with me? And I think the same is true in sin in our lives, that we could feel like everything's okay, but if there's something growing within you that's trying to kill you, you want to deal with it. Amen? And the Lord wants nothing more than to deal with that. And here's the beautiful part. You don't have to hide it from him. It's in his love that he desires by his spirit to confront that and to do a surgery to remove it from you and set you free from it forever. So you could walk in his freedom, walk in his truth, walk unburdened by that anymore. But so many of us, we, we, we want one of two things to happen. We want to go to the doctor, doesn't matter what condition we're in, and we just want him to tell us everything's okay. That's not the loving thing to do. If you go in and there's something seriously wrong, the, the loving thing for a doctor to do is not to give you a bunch of grace and tell you everything's okay. It's for him to share the truth with you in love. Are you with me? Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it causes you to cry and weep because it's that truth that can lead to a freedom and a healing and a restoration. Are you with me this morning? But if we would come in such a way where some of us, we have, we have been living with such this idea of truth that we have literally ostracized people in our lives. We push them away. We have, we have been living, trying to embrace this truth in almost like this works-based religion that we're just trying to be good enough and good enough and good enough and, and we're missing the grace of God in our lives. And we're judging ourselves extra harshly. Some are living under condemnation. You feel buried by the weight of guilt and things like that. And you just you haven't experienced the fullness of his grace in your life in a long time. You've been holding others accountable to that standard. You're holding yourself. And Jesus comes to you and says, I'm here. My grace is sufficient for you. I'm able to set you free. I just really believe in this moment God wants to do more than we could ever imagine. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I want you to walk in my truth. The only way you're going to walk in that truth is through obedience. Jesus said, you want to know what one of the greatest markers of your love for him is? He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Obedience is the mark of love, our love for him. And as his truth comes into our lives, as his truth comes forth, even today, Jesus calls us to walk in a new way. Go and sin no more. Go, leave this behind. There's something growing here that, that could kill you. It could wipe you out. But Jesus says, right now, it doesn't have to. I can set you free and set you on a brand new path. Jesus' love meets us right where we are. For those who have been struggling with forgiving others. We've judged others. We've been critical of others. We've condemned others. Jesus' grace comes to us right now in this moment. He says, don't live in that place. Some of us, we've lived like hypocrites and we're feeling the presence of God right now. Here's what I'm telling you. I, I really believe this is happening. The Spirit of God is pricking hearts right now. And He's desiring, the Lord is desiring to reshape us from the inside out. 
And for some of us, he needs, there needs to be some things that are just, they're gotten rid of. They're completely cast aside. They're repented of, being turned away from, so that we can have the fullness of what Jesus wants to do in our lives happen. And I want you to know, today, the person next to you doesn't know what you've been through. Per- people around you, I don't know. But there's a God in heaven who sees it. He knows it. But what does he think of it? He loves you. He stands here today. You think that God is standing up in heaven with a bunch of stones in his hand ready to come down on you. But I promise you this, that he's full of grace and truth. He has a love that reaches to you right now. He has the power to set you free, to forgive you and lead you forward. But you must be willing to be open, vulnerable, and real with him right now. Quit excusing those things that are separating you from his love and embrace the grace that's available to you. Lie in your life with the truth of who he is. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me today? Oh, Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you today. I thank you, Lord, that there's some that are here today that they've walked with a condemnation, Lord. They've just felt so condemned. And today, Lord God, as they stand before you, Lord God, I pray that by your spirit you would come to them heart to heart, face to face, Lord God, and say, speak their name, Lord God, and say, as no one condemned you, neither do I go and sin no more. Lord, I pray for hearts that are turning towards you today, hearts that are sincerely recognizing, Lord God, the areas you're desiring to do a deeper healing, a deeper work, Lord God, that you're going to release a freedom in this place, Lord God. Lord, I pray for those that have loved these things, Lord God, more than they've loved you. For the things we've loved and clung to, Lord God, and valued even more than you. Lord, I pray today you'd come in if there's any chain of addiction, if there's any burden, Lord God, that feels too heavy, that today in your presence there'd be freedom in the name of Jesus. That, Lord, chains would fall off. That your love would permeate every part of us. That, Lord, we would die to those things, Lord God, that are trying to put us to death. That we live by the power of your spirit within us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, the first freedom that comes into your life is the freedom of knowing that you know that you know that Jesus has forgiven your sins and given you a brand new life. And today, if you feel that pricking in your heart, you feel that something isn't right, The thing that might not be right is that you don't yet have a relationship with God. You don't yet have a certainty in your heart that your sins are forgiven. That could only come through Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father except through me. No one finds their way to heaven by their good works or by anything else. It only comes through putting your faith in me. So if you're here today with every head bowed and eye closed and you say, Pastor, I've not made that step yet and I'm ready to accept Jesus. I'm ready to turn my life to him. I'm ready to ask him to forgive me of my sins and I'm ready to follow him and walk away from anything else that would hold me back. If that's you, lift your hand high right now. I want to pray with you. Come on, if that's you, just lift your hand high. Praise God, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? Just lift your hand high above your head right now. Praise God. In the balcony, if you're in the overflow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray this prayer right now, and I want you to say these words from the bottom of your heart. Anyone else would want to pray it, you could pray it with me. Pray, Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me. And today I commit my whole life to you, and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we're here with you. We want to walk with you. If you said that, made that decision, we'd love to connect with you. And I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward right now. If you would like to connect, don't leave. Just come up and talk to someone. But before you go, Church Fim, I want to pray over you right now. Would you just lift your hands all around this place? Because I believe many of us, we're, we're leaning in one of these ways or the other. And I just believe it's only going to be through a revelation of what the Lord can do in our hearts and lives that will help us to embody the truth and grace of Jesus, to experience it and to express it to others. So Lord Jesus, would you extend your hand over every person here? Would you help us in the depths of our heart, Lord God? You know where we are. You know how we lean, Lord God. You know the areas that you're still working on within us. We pray for your amazing grace, Lord God, to come and bring a freedom into each person's life and heart. We pray for your truth, the truth of who you are, the truth of your word to stand strong and firm within us, Lord God, that we will not turn to the right or to the left. We would walk in your way, walk in your truth all the days of our life. Oh, Lord, we pray that our lives would be marked with this grace, that our lives will be saturated with this truth, that, Lord, you will teach us by the power of your Spirit in those moments, in the moments where the world, Lord God, is watching, where people are around, and, Lord, they're looking to see who you are and what your heart is. May we embody this, Lord God. May we be a place and a people full of your grace, full of your truth, Lord God that honors you in the way that we live and lead others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I'm going to invite you to come to this altar if you need prayer for anything. If you want to pray with someone or if you just want to come pray on your own, you're welcome to come. If not, you're free to go. Please, if you are considering being baptized, would you uh, meet me upstairs in just a little bit? We'd love to walk with you and prepare you for that next Sunday. God bless you and save your conversations for the foyer, please.